good morning, everybody. To our friends that are online, whether you're here with us live today or if you're joining us on the, pod- on the podcast later on in this week, uh, we're so grateful to have you worshiping and learning with us today. Uh, don't forget, if you haven't already done so, to grab yourself some bread or some crackers and some juice to receive communion with us at the end of the service. And uh, we're just so grateful that you're here.
you know, do you ever notice that there is something in the room when you're here that is different um, than the last time you were here? And, you know, uh, I remember one time we were somewhere doing something. <laughs> and... <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> and, uh, and, and we were leading worship. And, um, and there was this, you know, there was this real feeling that God just wanted us all to chill out on that day. And we had a really good friend who was very nervous about that. And so he ran right up and he was just like, no, everybody stand up and shout. <laughs> and, um, and, and I, I, and as Scott and I say to each other, and that's when the bird flew. You know, it's like that was when we let go of what God was attempting to do within our hearts and souls. And I feel like there's something really tender in the room today, something really human in the room today. And I just want to stay with our humanity and not try to perform for God, not try to make things happen that are not happening but to allow ourselves to be really human right here, right now. There's so few places you can be really human. I told the story last week when you weren't here, Ian, but I'll tell it again this week. You know, he, he, he asked me not to have people over on Sundays that didn't let him be human. He said, can we just have people over that I can be a human? How many of you have people you can be human with? So David and Caron Loveless are two of the people we can be human with. And we kind of go right into the deep end in the first 35 seconds of a car ride, right? And these are people that, um, that at Crossroads, we have been uh, able to belong to them, and they belong to us. We've been able to love them, and they've loved us. And I'm not going to preach their message, but it's a good one. Because one of the things that we've learned is, is we're not really that interested in people um, saying the right thing. We're really interested in people being there in the moments that actually live the sermon. And we've had that experience with, with David and Caron Loveless. Um, there are people that suffer and uh, in this room. Can we just have a show of hands if you've ever suffered? Yeah. And, and then there are people that you can suffer with um, because you trust them to suffer with you. And these are our friends. And, you know, years ago, I would have given a much more glamorous introduction about, you know, people that, that come all this way to be with us. But after years when you know someone, uh, you know them, and they know themselves, and they let you know yourself in their midst, those are the people you want to be with, my friends right? And so I think that's all I have to say. Did you, did you um, think yeah, that that was brilliant? Definitely, definitely. Except for the part where you said you remember being somewhere, but you couldn't remember where it was. Yes. That was, I'll tell you where it was later. I remember where we were. Anyway, um, yeah, I would just, I would add this, um, out of this, out of the many things that we could say about David and Carone, um, I just want to say uh, they, they are a part of the fabric of Crossroads. God has used their lives and their leadership and just 
them as a couple and as uh, a husband and wife and as leaders in the body of Christ to impart things into this house uh, that I am confident will be a part of the fabric until we're all not around here anymore. And we're grateful for that. But I would say this, um, I just want to say this, these are two amazing Christ followers. Yeah, yeah. And I think, when, I think when all is said and done, it doesn't matter what your responsibility is, this is for all of us, right? Like, it doesn't matter what our vocation is, it doesn't matter what God has asked us to put our hands to, at the end of the day, to be able to hear from Jesus, well done, thou good and faithful servant, I think is the thing that we all long for. And man, I, I'll tell you what, uh, Claire and I in Crossroads Church, we have been following David and Carone for over two decades um, as friends, as kind of family members. Um, and we won't say well done completely because we, we think there's more to come, right? But, but these are two amazing Christ followers that are resilient, they, they have deep gratitude, and they live what they speak. And I am thrilled to be able to listen to what they have to share with us today. So can we welcome David and Carone? What are you going to do with that introduction? I don't know. I'm not sure. Oh, it's so good to be with you. And we come it with is. arms wide open, as the song said. Yes. We come with hearts wide open. Um, we hope today that you come with uh, it cracked open a little to whatever we might have to say, at least, and let the Spirit of God speak to you. As he's speaking to us, he's speaking to us as we speak. You know that, right? As we speak, we're learning. And we are hearing him speak to us, too. So it's not like we know what we're talking about. <laughs> we are experiencing what we're talking about as we speak with you. And uh, we, that, what a beautiful welcome. Thank you, well, thank you for that welcome. And it's so great to be back. It is. You know, uh, let's just pause before we go anywhere else. And let me just say to you that the extraordinary worship experience mm. of the last 30, 45 minutes is very, very special. Mm. Um, many of you know that we've traveled throughout the world over the years and been in so many different uh, churches that people know about, they're aware of. I I'm telling you, I would to God mm. that the churches we know throughout the world and throughout this country could experience the quality of the experience that we had in the last 30, 45 mm -hmm. minutes. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. <clears throat> it's just uh, very, very special, and it resonates with us at, uh, at the deepest level. So we're here today to celebrate with you the fact this church has been going on for 30 years, the fact that any church lasts more than a month is a miracle, okay? And especially since all of us are humanoids and we're interacting with each other all of the time, it's just, but for 30 years, good Lord, that, that's amazing. And yes. also, we're here to celebrate just uh, Scott and Claire being here for the 30 years, the fantastic leadership they've given here to this church. It's just, uh, it's just great. And as they mentioned a few moments ago, it is, this relationship we feel with you guys is very, very, very special to us. It is. Out of all the places we've been to in time, 
there's just a handful that feel like extra special. And you guys are certainly a part of that. I mean, as I was thinking about the last couple of decades when we've been in and out of here a number of times, we have been with you in some of your highest moments, or it felt like at the time, some of your highest moments as a church and as a ministry. And we've also been here with you multiple times in some of the lowest moments that you were experiencing in your families, in your homes, and within this church, and within this community. And you as well have been with us in some of our highest moments, and you have been with us in the number one lowest moment of our entire life. That is extra special when you're in a relationship with people like that who don't end up walking away from you, but they walk further toward you is a pretty extraordinary yeah, experience. Beautiful. Yeah. <clears throat> so we know that you've been in the middle of this series called Imagine, where you're trying to imagine, you know, what, what else does God has for, have for us as a church? And while we've tried to bring our prophetic crystal ball, <laughs> perhaps I shouldn't say that in a church, okay? Not uh, exactly that. Not exactly that. Uh, perhaps I could rephrase that. You could. You know, while we don't even pretend to know all that God has in store for you as a church, we do know for a fact there are four, at least, at least four fundamental, irreducible, essential things that God wants for Crossroads as well as for every church uh, moving forward. So before we jump into that, let's just start with this question. How do you tend to view God? How do you tend to view God? Do you view God as he's grumpy lots of times or he's always loving or he's checking in to see if we're getting her right, you know? I mean, how do you tend to view God? I know for you, how you tend to view God, it kind of recalls an ice cream memory for you. Well, you know, some people have said that how we experienced our parents in our formative years is an indicator of how we at least initially start to understand or experience God. And so we, recently we were talking, um, we were listening to something in a car and somebody talked about everybody has an ice cream memory. <laughs> and as soon as I said that, all of you right now can think of something that's an ice cream memory for you. And for David, he has an ice cream memory that is like amazing. He had this wonderful grandfather who made um, ice cream on the back porch, cranked the ice. Anybody ever done the ice cream by hand cranking that? Yeah. So you know what we're talking about. And those of us over the age of 80 remember yes, that. So yeah. that was back that in the day. Um, they're going to bring that back. That's going to be great. But so it's just that's his his is sweet, a sweet ice cream. Mine is painful. Of course, mine is a painful ice cream memory. <laughs> How can you have a painful ice cream memory? Well, I'll tell you, um, my, I was a student and I was really excellent in a few subjects. And everything else, I was very average or sometimes below average. I wasn't the best student in the world. Um, but I did love school to a degree, and we would give report cards. You guys remember getting report cards, and back in the day, our parents used to have to sign our report cards and make sure that they saw what we had done, and it was report card day at my house, and my parents said, okay, we're going to go out to celebrate the report cards, and so we went out to the ice cream place, and my dad looks at my sister, and he says, uh, ma'am, would you please give her two scoops? She had an amazing report card, a great report card. We're just going to celebrate that today. And then it was my turn. And he said, would you please give her one scoop? Because her report card wasn't as good. Now, I know, that sounds, isn't that sad? I mean, it's so sad. But it, the first thing I thought of when I thought of my ice cream memory was this, I'm not enough. I'm not enough. 
And so when I thought of God, and I think of God related to this image that I had, my dad was a loving man in so many ways, but you know, as parents, we kind of mess up every once in a while in how we were treating our kids. And my dad was one of those guys that he was just, you know, he was like, okay, I'm good. I think I'm going to teach her a lesson by this. I got the lesson and the lesson was I'm not enough. So when I look at God and I think of my image of God in the early stages of my Christian life, it was, I don't know, God, I don't know how I can possibly measure up to all the things I think you want from me. Yeah. But the church changed that for you. The didn't church it? Yeah. changed that for me. Absolutely changed that for me. I had the most wonderful experience of people coming into my life at a very young age that just noticed me. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But the church changed my concept of God. Where initially I had this image that God was this kind of checking on me, always making sure that I'm getting things right or wrong. And now I see from the image of God now in the body of Christ a totally different image of God. I'd love it. Yeah. Uh, well, I would love to say, even though I was brought up in a church, mm -hmm. uh, loving, nurturing church, it did me some favors in helping me see God correctly, but it did me a lot of not so much favoring, all right? So here's how I tended to view God. If you were to say, Loveless, tell us, who is God like? I would have said, well, God is, he's, I think he's our creator. I think he, he loves us. But he's also, he's a static being. He's sitting on a throne and he's making a list. He's checking it twice. And he's going to find out who's naughty and nice, right? And God seems to be this loving being that is regularly grumpy. He's upset with me. He's upset with all of us because we're just not getting it right. Now, the reason up is because how you and I view God has a direct impact on how we view ourselves how we view other people, how we work with people, how we relate to one another, even in the context of a church. It's all in how we see God. We know one of the most common things that God's designed for all of us is to experience authentic community. And while Crossroads has experienced phenomenal authentic community over the last several decades, we believe there's yet a whole new frontier for you as a church when it comes to these very things. So if we want to imagine a church in the future that God wants, I really think we need to, first of all, go back to the very beginning of time and see authentic community that we've already been singing about in several different ways. This community of God, what in the world is that mystery all about? Over in Genesis chapter 1, one of the most familiar passages in all the Bible with everyone, everywhere, for all time says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Right off the bat, in verse 1 of this phenomenal book, in the Hebrew, the very word for God, it reveals to us that God is a God of plurality. Mm -hmm. In the beginning, God, there are multiple people that are involved in this God. There appears to be this creator God. And then we go on into verse 2. And it says, And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So apparently there's not only a Father God who creates, but there's a Holy Spirit that hovers and that energizes everything that's around. And then in the verse 3, it says, And then God said, Let there be light. So Jesus the Christ now comes as the Word, and He speaks things into being. So... The first time God's mentioned in the Bible, we actually see there is a family. And there are three distinct persons 
Yet the way they operate in relationship with one another, they are so tight. They feel like Like they are one. Mm -hmm. That's absolutely remarkable to us. In the early part of Christian history, they were grappling with this concept. And so they they took a Latin-derived term called perichoresis that refers to the circle dance of God. Peri means, of course, around perimeter, choresis, the dance. And so they tried to help us imagine what it's like for the Father, Son, and Spirit to be in this circle, divine dance all the time. And it's kind of the effect of pouring out Mm -hmm. and being poured back into. Yeah, kind of like a water wheel. I love that imagery, don't you? Where it's just pouring the water, it continues to flow. It doesn't stop. It goes out of one into the other. Just a beautiful imagery, that circle of flowing, giving and receiving. Yeah, exactly. And by the way, this isn't some funky New Age concept. This was a part of Orthodox Christianity at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. This very truth was central to the Jesus tradition. That's how significant Mm -hmm. that it is. But also for me, I'm just... I am mesmerized, am I not? I am mesmerized around the fact... By many things. uh, By many things. I am mesmerized by the fact that God, this plurality of God ends up constructing the universe in the same exact way as its DNA. And it's found in the atom. We know now through the, you know, advancement of science for the last number of decades, we know that the one thing we all have in common is that we are made up of atoms. Everything and everyone that's ever been created is made up of these atoms where you have these three distinct yet very common elements of neutrons, protons, and electrons. They're constantly in circle, encircling one another. And we're told by scientists the way they interact in their own perichoresis, this divine circle dance, it's what produces all matter. And we want to suggest to you for your consideration today That as you and I learn how to move in the same kind of relationship with one another, it produces what matters most for every single one of us and that God desires for us. Mm -hmm. So I look at that and I go, God, what what a genius you are. Who you are is built in the fabric of everything and everyone. Isn't that amazing? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's great. Later at the end of that chapter, it's almost like he has to summarize this. And then God said, let us... Who is us? Okay, we got something going on here in the family. Let us make mankind in our image after our likeness. So that's a pretty important deal. Yeah, so if we are going to know God and we're going to follow Jesus, we're going to have to pay really close attention to how we move and interact with one another in relationship because that's what it's all about, this experience of life-giving, life-forming relationships. Now, Over in Genesis 2, it continues. God noticed aloneness, loneliness. He noticed that Adam was lonely, and he produced someone that could come and be a partner with him that eventually would create a tribe of people where they could be together in unity and harmony with the humanity that already is being existed within their family at a very early age. They had troubles, just like the rest of us do. But God thought I do not want these people to be lonely. I want them to be in community. And so the design was there from the very beginning. I love Psalm 68. God sets the lonely in families. It wasn't just for a husband and wife 
or couples to be together, as we see in that scripture, but it was for mankind. It was for all of us. It was for widows and orphans and everybody in between, all the peoples, to have a place to go where they can feel known, where they can know that they're loved, where they're served, and where they're celebrated. And that's what I really see God doing in here, in this midst, in the future, and looking and envisioning you for what can happen in the future in this place. Amen? But we also know there's more to that story. We move over to Genesis 3. It has to do with our origins. And we see that the enemy is all about sabotaging this kind of authentic community. And can I tell you, here in 2021 and as we hurdle toward 2022, I think the enemy, like never before, is trying to sabotage community in marriages, in families, where sometimes you have a hard time even having Thanksgiving the last several years because we've got different political views or we've got different COVID views or we've got certain kinds of theological views that are different that all of a sudden causes us not to be able to be in community where we see this in churches. I work with church leaders throughout the country every week and in every single church, there is a divide like never before. But this is the work of the enemy trying to sabotage community. So how can you, you and I lean into the real deal? So we want to share with you the four things. These are four very simple, very practical things. These are not profound. We didn't bring anything profound with us. Now, we have some profound things, but we didn't bring them with us, okay? We've left all of our profound things at home, okay? So here are four very simple things that you're aware of, but hopefully by the way we articulate it and the way we illustrate, you'll go, okay, I'm seeing where God wants me to move next in relationship with the people here in this room and the people that uh, we live, work, and play with. The first thing is we want to all have this experience that God invites us into to know and to be known. For me to know who you are, for me to know you by name, for me to know some part of your story. I can't do that with everyone, but I can do that for someone. But even strangers, just my noticing them, my acknowledging them as I'm walking by them, there's something spiritual in all of that to know and to be known to be recognized that I must have worth and value. But that was a, another challenge for you growing up. Yeah, growing up, it was not exactly, um, you know, I grew up in the, the time period where, and in my environment, it was kind of children were to be seen and not heard. Has anybody ever seen that? Yeah, you've heard that. I have, and that's kind of how I lived. You know, we, my parents, I do believe, cared, cared about us, loved us, but it was not expressed. It, what, you weren't really noticed for who you are. You weren't really asked your thoughts or your feelings or people didn't really sit, check in with you to see how you're doing. And so I grew up in that kind of environment. And so I was ripe for somebody to notice me. And the first person that I can say that really noticed me was my next door neighbor when I was like about nine years old, uh, Mrs. Ward. She had about four kids and I was always over at her house because they were having way more fun at her house than they were at my, we were at mine. And so I would go over to Mrs. Ward's house and she would pay attention to me and she would talk with me and she would talk with her kids. And I just loved being in her presence. One day she asked me if I would go to church with, her, with them as a family. And I went, oh, yeah, man, that would be fun. I'd love to do that. We didn't do that as a family at my house. And so I went with her, and it was really almost in the very first uh, day, the first time I sat with her, that she asked me, would I really like to come to know Jesus? 
as a nine-year-old child in very simple terms. And I remember very vividly where I was sitting and what she said to me and what I responded. And it was that moment where I felt noticed. I felt known. I felt seen. And that was a beautiful, beautiful thing. It happened later on at other junctures and other times when I was a teenager. I was able to get to a church and people there at the church, there was Lynn and Susan and Mrs. Pierce and Steve, and eventually there was Mary, and people that actually saw me and, and wanted to know me and wanted me to know that God knew me and that I could know God in the same way. It's an amazing thing, isn't it? To be known and to know and to know that God wants to know us and that he wants us to know him at the deepest levels. And so these people, the church was my home. They were the people that knew me the best and that they paid attention. They noticed me. And I encourage you, I implore you to do this with one another, to be that Mary, that Susan, that Steve for the people that are all around you all the time. They're, you're, you're Mrs. Ward to someone in your neighborhood. You're Mrs. Ward to someone to say, I notice you. I see you. I want to have relationship with you. I want you to know the God that I know. I want you to know that he knows you and he sees you and you're valuable and precious to him. Yeah. But we know in order for us to go to any depth below the surface of knowing and being known, over time we have to build trust, right? We have to build trust. We have to take not giant leaps, but small steps where we risk vulnerability. Where I risk vulnerability with you and to, for me to check in and see, can I trust you in that? Are you going to walk away from me just by knowing a little bit about me? And over time, to be able to build that kind of safe place. Um, I serve on the uh, senior leadership team of uh, a church in uh, Orlando in Central Florida. And this last year, I've introduced to all of our staff and the multiple teams that we have there something that I just call a six-sketch storyboard. And in it, I have everyone list the top five high points of their life and then the top five hard times that they've been through. And then after creating this list of high points and hard times, I then ask them to circle just six out of those ten. They don't have to have three on one side and three on the other. So for some of us, the hard times, it's like, okay, I know what my top six are, and it's over here in the right-hand column, even though there would only be five, I suppose. So, But see, some of you were doing They're the counting. math already on me. Going, is, is, he, is he clueless around math or what? Yes. Okay. So, um, but anyway, from there, once they've picked out the six most defining moments of their life, of the high times and the hard times, then I have them draw out a picture or sketch something, which is frightening for those of us that are not artistic. I'm married to an artistic genius and she is not, okay? So, but anyway, I have them draw that out and then I've started having them share their story with each other like this. This is so much more helpful than here's my life before knowing Jesus. Here's how I came to found, find Jesus. And then here's my life. It's been like Cinderella's castle ever since knowing Jesus, okay? To which we go, that is not true. <laughs> so it just, what we've noticed though this last year is breakthroughs that are happening and where I'm regularly being told we've never experienced this kind of authentic community. 
And you're like, seriously? And people that have been working with each other for 10 and 15 years going, I had no idea. Yeah. I'm like, you had no idea. You were blowing my mind. These are the most important moments in this person's life. So all of those things are invitations. But we know for most of us, we're fearful of doing that. Like if someone were to get the key to our confidential failure file, would they walk away from us or would they walk toward us? I know for me, when I experienced the greatest failure of my life and decided to make it public nine years ago, uh, this moral failure I'd had a few years earlier, and I let people know about it, beginning with Crone and my family and the people around me. Scott and Claire quickly became aware of what was going on. And while I watched lots of my closest friends walk away from me, I watched Scott and Claire walk even closer toward me and toward us. See, all of a sudden, they had known me Many authentic, genuine things that were true all along about me, but they didn't know about, they knew some of my uh, acceptable failures, but they didn't know about the unacceptable failure of my life. And so they came to know me in my brokenness in a different way. I think every one of us, if we could find the safe relationship, we would yearn to be known just like that. Now, you may not have had the failure I've had, but you've had brokenness in your own life. You've had pain, loss, grief. What does it mean for someone else to be aware of that in a meaningful way? Again, everyone can't do that. We don't have the capacity for that, but with a few. So imagine a church. Imagine a church. Yeah. Imagine this church. Being a church that's known in this community for knowing people at their deepest levels, for knowing people at their pain points, and still loving them, and still receiving them, and still having fellowship with them, helping them get through their season, standing with them as yeah. you have stood with us yeah. so beautifully. Yeah. What if God has in mind a church that is full of people that want to know and be known, and nobody feels alone? Yeah. Everybody feels seen. Everybody feels valuable. Imagine that church moving forward. So not only to know and be known, but then to love and be loved. It's one thing for me to know you based upon, it's one thing for me to love you based upon the superficial knowing of you. But as I come to know more of your shadow side and your dark side, if I can then love you in that, that is what is transformative in our lives. That God yearns for every one of us. We love this quote from Thomas Merton. He said, the beginning of love is the will to let those we love be perfectly themselves. The resolution not to twist them to fit into our image. Can we just read that one more yep. time? I, I know many of you have heard this. I've heard it many times. I can't hear it enough. The beginning of love is the will, the decision to let those we love be perfectly themselves. The resolution not to twist them to fit our own image. Yeah. Oh, that's so hard, though. It is. It's so hard. I want you to be like me because I'm, like, really good. Exactly. Yeah. And we've, we've worked with each other in trying to create one another into one another's image. We have. How does that work? It hadn't worked very well. It has not worked very well. Yeah. But this is why we them. believe when Jesus was asked to give the Cliff Notes version to Christianity, and really what is it, how can you boil it down to its simplest elements? 
It was all about giving and receiving enormous amounts of love with him, within the heavenly family, and within the earthly family of our lives. That's what's transformative. Seven years ago, maybe six years ago, I stood up on this stage for the first time as a very different person, as a very broken person, as a very lost person because of what I'd gone through and what I drug crone and the precious people in my life through. And at the end of that service, I'll never forget, you guys came up here and surrounded us. You laid hands on us. You prayed over us. You wept with us. You hugged us. I'm telling you, that is what marked my life. It was a handful of experiences like that that ended up giving us the ability to experience a level of profound goodness and resurrection we couldn't, we didn't even have hope for at that time. But you were a part of that. You had known us before, but now you knew us at a different place, and yet you still loved us in the midst of all of our imperfection. Honey, uh, we've had... We've had a group that we've met with for a number of years that we've seen this happen with. Yeah, we put together, after we uh, were no longer a part of the church that we had led for 29 years, um, we, we, had, we were lost without community. And we knew that we couldn't survive without a spiritual community. And so, little by little, a few people began to, to meet in our living room on Saturday. And we would just talk about our lives. So people, Many people had gone through divorces. Um, some people were just were just broken from their life. Their their childhoods were not perfect. They had a lot of issues. There were awkward people, people that weren't so really good at social exchanges. People, and they were just every kind of person imaginable. And they just, for whatever reason, now felt even closer to us and felt like they wanted to be with us in our presence. It was one of those times where we were able to talk about our successes and our failures. And people felt open for the first time to discuss things about their lives and about God in the midst of all of that that they had never been able to do before. And it really, we, we were together, I think, for about three or four years. And every single week, People would go away, we would go away, they would go away yeah. with the sense that God was with us and that we strange, very different, very unique people with lots of different values and lots of different ideas and thoughts could come together and watch ourselves grow in the midst of our own brokenness. And it was really uh, one of the most transforming experiences of my life. I'll, I will just never forget, never, ever forget how we were just able to come alongside each other and even though we were different, even though we had lots of lots of uh, challenges, even in the ways we were communicating to one another, there was so much love in the room to cover a multitude of things that were not perfect, that were just regular people trying to live their lives in the presence of God and with one another. So imagine a church. Imagine this church. And I'm not saying this isn't already happening because I know for a fact it is happening. But imagine in the future, this church being known in this community for having that kind of fellowship where people of all kinds, all stripes, all temperaments, all uh, Enneagram types, every kind of person that has every kind of background could be welcomed here. And they were known for being loved and being seen 
And the reciprocation of love was happening on a regular basis. Imagine what God could do in this community if that was what's happening in this church as we move forward. Like never before in human history, God desires an earthly representation of him called the church, called Crossroads Church, Mm -hmm. to be able to know and be known, to love and be loved, And for me to love you, even though I find out that you have different beliefs than I do, the way you're addressing the issues in the culture might be different than me. And yet we are able to still remain in authentic, viable relationship. I am telling you, this is the crowning hour of the church for us to step up like never before. And where we don't just believe this, but we demonstrate this. Even though sometimes it's really uneasy, isn't it? It's messy. It's messy. Well, welcome to humanity, Mm -hmm. okay? And then there's this third move, not only to know and be known, love and be loved, but to serve and be served. Uh, Over in John 13, you know when Jesus sits here and he washes the feet of his disciples and he makes this famous statement, I didn't come to be served, but to serve, give my life as a ransom for many. And yet... We see countless examples in the gospel where Jesus allowed other people to serve him. Isn't that bizarre how that can work? Like we moved into a new neighborhood a few years ago, and some of our neighbors on the left-hand side, uh, the husband's name was Rob. And again, we, we thought we are here to know whoever they are and love whoever they are. Uh, they didn't appear to be Christ followers. They've shown every uh, reason mm-hmm. they don't go to church and all of the stuff. And so we, we've mm-hmm. entered into this kind of relationship with them. But we knew a part of why we were there, no matter who they are, we're there to serve them. And yet we have found ways in which they've wanted to serve us. We found with both of our neighbors. Uh, recently, I was out mowing my lawn and Rob, my next door neighbor, comes to me and goes, Hey, uh, David. You know, I know because you've told me in the past that, you know, you really haven't mowed your lawn in the last 25 years. Mm-hmm. Other people have mowed it for you, and now for some reason, you're beginning to mow your own lawn again. He said, I want you to, I've been noticing lately how uneven your grass is. Your, your blades need to be sharpened. To which I go, what's a blade? Yeah, I, don't, I am mechanically that. dysfunctional. I have no idea what you were talking about. He said, you need your blade sharpened. Now, he knows I'm incompetent when it comes to these kinds of things. In fact, last year, we went off on a trip for a few days, and he calls me, leaves a voicemail. He says, hey, David, I don't know what's going on, but your garage door has been open the last couple of days. And the oddest thing, at the end of your driveway, there's a screwdriver that's laying there. He said, I know for a fact that doesn't belong to you because you wouldn't know what to do with it. Okay. So, again, what does it mean? To be able to serve and to be served and to see the goodness of that. And then the last thing, to celebrate and to be celebrated. Where you and I clap for one another. We cheer for one another. We affirm one another. When we're just winking in the right direction. When we see some minor breakthrough or major breakthrough happen in our lives or in our work or in our church or anything like that. Zephaniah 3 says, he, God, will take great delight in you. He will rejoice over you with singing. When Jesus talked about and demonstrated the power of celebration. In Luke 15, there was a lost coin. When it was found, there was a big celebration. When there was a lost sheep. When there was a lost son who just moved back toward home, just pointed himself back in the right direction. Jesus said there was 
huge celebration that went on there. We experienced that with our group, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, our group had a lot of celebrating to do uh, at different junctures of, and over the simplest things, right? Like we had this one guy named Sam. Now, Sam is a really burly guy. He's got tats all over him. He's a delightful guy. Owns a tree company. He owns yeah. a tree company. He's an arborist. So he climbs up trees and cuts down trees for people and does all that. But he's a kind of a gruff guy. And um, he's not, he doesn't walk in and, you know, meet everybody and greet everybody. He kind of goes in and sits down and he's just kind of like, I'm there to be a part of what's happening, but don't push me. Okay. And so Sam, uh, we would be talking and we were talking about what are the things that irritate you? How, what, what gets you irritated? Because we believe that wherever we're irritated, wherever we're frustrated, God's at work. That's actually, you don't have to pray. God, what do you want me to do with my life? Usually if there's something going on that's frustrating, broken, irritating, God's right there. That's where I'm at work in your life. And so we were talking with Sam and Sam said, well, uh, to be honest with you, uh, I'm kind of a, I'm a, Movie theater police. And we, what do you mean? They love to go to the movies. That's their thing. Every Sunday. Every yeah. Sunday afternoon, they would go to the movies. That's their, their fun date and their time every week. They would find something to watch. But Sam doesn't like it if you're on your phone or if you're talking in the middle of even the, the previews of the movie. He has a problem with that. It really gets on his nerves. And he was letting us know that, you know, he has a little laser pointer. And, and, and he'll come out to you if he sees you talking on your phone or has your phone open or you're trying to whispering to somebody, he'll laser point you. And usually that works, but in this one incident, it didn't work. And so he laser pointed and laser pointed. The person didn't change, didn't move. He went, all right, well, then I'm going to have to get up and go speak to this person. So he got up out of his seat and he went over to this man who was on his phone doing something. And he said, would you mind? I'm really trying to enjoy the movie. Would you mind closing that up, please? And he goes, no, I'm not going to do that. He goes, what are you talking about? I can't enjoy the movie. You're in, the, you're, you're in my way. You're causing me to not enjoy my movie. He goes, I don't know what you're talking about. This is me um, right here. And he goes, no, well, you're supposed to. You know, the sign says in the movie theater, you're not supposed to be doing this. This is wrong. He goes, do you want to take this outside? And the guy said, yeah, let's take this outside. And so they went out in the hallway and they started, they just went at it, you know, talking, fighting over this situation to where a manager had to come in and break up this thing that was now occurring. We had such a powerful effect on Sam's life, didn't we? Up to this point, Sam had not gotten the message. We had the, discipled the him well. He had not gotten the message. So he comes back the next week, and his wife offers this information about <laughs> Sam. Now, Sam doesn't raise his hand, but she, his wife says, you know, by, by the way, Sam had an incident in the, the movie theater. <laughs> and, um, and so Sam, you know, he tells us, okay, yeah, that's true. It did happen. And I'm really sorry I did that. I don't know why I do that. I just have a thing about people being quiet in the movies. And so we prayed with Sam. We said, okay, Sam, we know that you don't really want to be this kind of guy. And we know this isn't really who you want to be and you're, how you want to represent Christ. But, you know, let's just see what we can do. Because they go every single week. And every single week he gets his pointer out. So the next week he goes and he doesn't have an incident. He doesn't have a problem with anyone. Although people are talking and they're not doing what they're supposed to do, as the sign says. And he comes back and he reports, okay, guys. I think I got a little victory there in that area of my life. And do you think we sat on our hands and went, well, very good for you? No. I mean, we were ridiculously, ridiculously silly about celebrating Sam's ability to sit in a movie theater without going berserk with people (laughs) just because they weren't doing what he wanted them to do. Now, that's a silly example, but that's just one when people overcome things. 
in their life, we get to be there to celebrate them and to cheer yep. them on yep. and to say, yep. way to go. You are moving in the right direction. God is granting you the grace that you need. Now accept it. Take it. It's kind of like that credit card or that that debit card situation, oh, yeah. right? Well, you were given, we were both given yeah. a really generous gift card by our personnel team recently. Right. And, As a gift. Oh, thank but you. they said all the money had been deposited in the card, and yet we had to do something. Right. You know what we had to do. We had to activate the card. And right. so that we could spend what had already been given to us. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. By the way, have you spent your... I spent every dime. Have you? <laughs> what, what have you spent it on? These shoes oh. right here. <laughs> See, I didn't really know that. I wasn't leading to something, uh, but now I do know, okay? Well, you know, we needed groceries, you know, but you no, no. So in that, you know, Crone talking about Sam, the reason why we celebrated Sam was because he conquered his Goliath. When David conquered Goliath, people poured into the streets, the scripture says, and celebrated and sang and danced and did all of that not sure what kind of dance that was what? right there but that was a dance for you that i've never done before in public okay but what does it look like for you and i to be in marriages like this to be in families extended families to be in a church where we can know and be known where we can love and be loved where we can serve and be served where we can celebrate and be celebrated This is what God desires in even greater ways for crossroads to enter into as we continue to move into the 21st century. And speaking of celebration, we want to celebrate the senior leaders of this church and how God has used them in our lives and in your life. So we're going to invite Scott and Claire yep. to come up and join us. Come on. Come on up here. They're already always doing this for other people, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on over here. This was not part of the, no, it's not part of the plan. Not part of the no, this wasn't yeah. part of the deal. <laughs> yeah, they asked us to come here this weekend, but their condition was as long as you bring us up <laughs> on stage, okay? <laughs> did not say that. Now, if you know them, yeah, that is not true right. whatsoever. So, um, but we want to celebrate both of you mm-hmm. for the profound goodness that you live out in your own relationship, in your own family. We celebrate the fact you guys continue to grow and develop as Christ followers. You've been great leaders in the kingdom of God and the body of Christ. And yet at the same time, you've never thought that you've arrived at some point. You keep growing, developing, evolving in God. And you've been such a fantastic example to this church and to this community. And we want to celebrate you. We want to celebrate. Okay? We want to say. Yeah. Yeah. We want to say, and now we know that you all have been a part of this. Now, we know they are not the only ones, but they have been carrying and shouldering a lot of the load, along with elders. A lot of of you have been doing that as well with them. But we just want to say your sacrificial, life-giving, life-pouring has been seen by God and been seen by these people, been seen by us. And it's been amazingly remarkable, all that you've walked through, all the ups and the downs, all the valleys and the mountains, and that you're still standing, that you're still present, that you're still willing, 
you're still willing to give your lives away at levels that most people will never, ever understand. Nobody will know. So we celebrate these guys. They're champions. Yes. Celebrate. Celebrate them. Yes. 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 Wow. 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 Come on. Come on. I mean, we're not done. Come on. Woo! Woo! <laughs> yes. All right, everyone give a high five to the universe, okay? So, <laughs> I, I was talking about God, okay, when, when I mentioned the universe. I know, I know we need to close. It's uh, almost 3.30 now, and the, the Cowboys are about to uh, take the field. And, and, and beat the Chiefs. And beat right, the yeah. Chiefs, right. yes, if God's will is done. So, uh, but we want to pray over you guys. Lord, we thank you for this fantastic extended spiritual family. Yes call Crossroads Church. Mm -hmm. We thank you for the goodness that's been here, that you have deposited mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. Lord, we thank you so much for the, so, the, the multiple broken things and imperfect things they've had to walk through over the years, and yet they're more than just still standing. Yes. They're vibrating with life like mm -hmm. and goodness like never before. Lord, we just celebrate Scott and Clara, the fantastic gift they have been not only to this church, but to this community and yes. this region yes. and even beyond the region yes. to many other parts of the country. Lord, we thank you for the fantastic people that call Crossroads home. Mm. We thank you for how you've been more visible yes. to the Marshall area. Mm -hmm. You've been far more visible because of this church mm -hmm. and her existence here. Lord, we just enter into celebration with you of what you have done. And at the same time, we prophetically say, God, let this church, like never before, in the next several years, be known by these four markers that are representing you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Celebrate you, guys. just taking your communion and opening it and let's raise a glass being loved well um, by this church and church, for the people of this church that have been a part of whatever it, it is that you've been up to all these years, all the ways that we have experienced the body of Christ. So we hold up the bread and we say, take this, all of you, and eat. And let's remember what Jesus has done for us. Can we say it together? Jesus. We remember you.
Raise the glass, everybody. <laughs> and, and even as we raise this cup, let's be reminded of, even as uh, David and Carol were sharing about vulnerability, just take a moment to remember we can be vulnerable with each other and we can be vulnerable because of what Jesus has done for us. That there is a safety and a security in the forgiveness that comes through the blood of Jesus shared for all of us. So as we take that cup, just know that God is with you. God's forgiveness is with each and every one of us. So take the cup and say, Jesus, we remember you. Jesus, we remember you. And then could you look at someone and say, and I celebrate you and what Jesus has done in your life and what you mean to God, what you mean to the people of God. And, um, oh. and everybody said cheers. And I don't think that's sacrilegious at all. Because if you read Isaiah 25, that banquet table has the choicest of meats and the finest of wines. And there is a party going on right there. Right? Oh, can we play that real quick? There's a party going on right here. A celebration. Come on. Come on. So take a good I don't remember the rest of it because I'm party with you. Come on now. Come on, Tanika, get over here. We need you bad. <laughs> oh, woohoo! <laughs> Somewhere. <laughs>